You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous, the podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank, Thank you. you. Boy, what a what a wild ride those two episodes took me on. <laughs> I'm a little drained emotionally. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really understandable. <laughs> The, these episodes were, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ma- Megan, I, I watch it with Megan and Sarah on Zoom. And, you know, the three of us have seen both seasons before already. Mm-hmm. So we know what's coming and stuff. But, uh, you know, Megan was like, I was still, I was crying at some points, you know. I was like, it's, it's understandable. It's really sad. It is sad. It is sad. Oh man. Because, and I, you know, cause I, I wait until the last second to watch the episodes really honestly, because, because I don't want to take up my night after work with watching it, but also because honestly, the second we record these, it is out of my mind forever. And I don't, I mean, I guess I'm getting older, but <laughs> that didn't used to be the case. And now it is. So I just, I needed to be as fresh as possible, but I am drained, just drained. And especially from episode 14, which is what we're going to talk about today called the phenomenon. You Mm -hmm. spoiled it last week when you, when you let it, well, you didn't even let it slip. No, I wanted to, like, I just remembered, I remembered that when I watched it and I had like that week of, is she dead? Yeah. Oh, and there, and I was like, I don't want Pamela to go through that. So I'm just going to let her know. Thank you. <laughs> because good. It, it's already, I know, knew it was going to be emotionally draining, but it's worse when I just, I remember when you're ambushed by it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I thank you for that. Cause uh, I still felt ambushed by it. <laughs> And it's, I mean, it's right from the very, like the very beginning of the episode, you, you know, you're 
you said it right. You know, the people that were watching it from one week to the next went through that entire week going, I don't know, is he, is he not? Did he even get hit? Did we just see headlights? And, you know, who knows what's going to happen? So everything's up in the air, but like the curtain came up on this episode and it was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So that is real. Kyle is dead. He got hit by a car and he's dead. And they, it was so fast and so just a big punch to the gut. And I think what made it even more a punch because Christian Borrell to me Mm -hmm. has such an access to his own emotions as an actor. Yeah. And he, anytime he gets emotional, visibly emotional in any of these episodes, it could be for whatever reason. I always find myself getting emotional too, because I feel like emotionality is contagious to a certain extent, especially if you are of empathetic uh, success, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm empathetic. I, I am incredibly intuitive that way. And so I pick up on people's emotions very, very quickly, even if it's pretend. And well, you know, and I shouldn't even say that it's pretend because when you're acting on stage, that emotion is coming from somewhere, even if it's not directly linked to what you're reading on the script, that right. emotion is coming from a place within you that is that holds a capacity to feel to that extreme. And Christian is so good at bringing that emotion from himself. And as a result, <laughs> brought my emotion straight to the surface as well. So... Should we just get into it? <laughs> We're on episode 14 of Smash. <laughs> and just let it sizzle. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Let's start. You want to start with the bombshell side? Or does it matter? I guess it doesn't. Yeah, let's start with the bombshell side because hit list is gonna hit you in the feels. And I I would prefer to give honor to that at the end of the show so that we can like leave it sitting. Um, But, you know, like I said, right at the top of this, of the episode, Tom is on the phone. Well, on the bombshell side, Tom is on the phone, leaving a message for Kyle. He's like, Hey, uh, you know, awkward. I'm old. You're young, but I really enjoy your company. And uh, that was dumb. I'm going to read, I'm going to delete this. And it's the most amazing thing ever. (laughs) But even like, you know, and I think if going into this episode, I didn't know what the case was, it would have been more funny, but it just sat, it just sat so heavily because I did know the outcome anyway. So they're doing a press agent meeting with Daphne, Daphne, Agnes. (laughs) I know it's just, I mean, everybody listening is going to know who we mean. So if we mess and we call him the real name it's okay I hope that you know who we're talking about at this point sometimes I don't even know who I'm talking about so um so the press agent Agnes played by Daphne Rubenvega um Eileen Tom and Julia are all supposed to be in this meeting about the Tony Awards and about getting bombshell into the nominations and into the forefront of the nominators minds so that they can all win a big fat Tony (laughs) Julia though uh, we'll talk about this on the hit list side as well, a little bit, at least I will, um, because it, this is kind of a cut, uh, it cuts back and forth very quickly in this episode between the two, but Julia has received a letter of dissolution 
but from Tom, which is essentially a letter saying our partnership is dissolving. So now we've got to figure out what we're going to do with all of the projects that we have done and would have done had we remained partners. Right. She thinks it's a direct attack. So does Scott. Right. And I'll, I'll leave that there for now. Right. Right. Because uh, for people who don't know, like if you're part of a team, um, if you're part of a writing team, if you want to adapt something, you have to option the work. If it's like a, a, a if it's adapt, if you're adapting it from like a previous book or movie right. piece of music or whatever. And so they've optioned several pieces together as a unit. And so because of that, um, and Tom kind of alluded to this a teeny tiny bit in the last episode, but like they are, you know, both of their names are on it. Yeah. He, he did in like the last few seconds of episode 13 when they were arguing and it definitely smacked of anger mm-hmm. and bitterness. Yeah. So, uh, Julia and Scott's reaction is not without merit given, you know, absolutely. His- well, and Scott, Scott goes right to the place where he's like, you better not abandon me this time. Like you did 15 years ago. And Julia's like, I won't, I'm going to go talk to Tom. Yeah. It's, it's like a divorce. I mean, it is a divorce because it's a contractual relationship and it's difficult because it's not just on paper. It is feelings. It is, you know, memories and, you know, all of these really good and bad things. Yeah. Friends. uh, He helped her through her divorce. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, my goodness, if, if two people weren't, I mean, their work husband and wife, I don't know. Yeah. No, who else would be? Yeah. Do, can we think of any writing teams? Can you think of any writing teams offhand that have broken up within the last, like uh, in our generation or like dissolved their, their relationship? I can't. And I was trying to think of it too. Cause like Alan Menken died. So that, you know, that relationship was okay. over, but they, Oh, Oh, Tim Rice. Howard Ashman. Oh my gosh. And just all three. I just said all three of their names and wasn't correct on any of the counts. I'm so sorry. That was uh, not intentional, but I apologize. But even that relationship, I'm sorry, my my ring light is going nuts right now too. Um, Even their writing relationship wasn't like they hadn't done anything together in a long time, right? Well, well, Howard Ashman passed away as Beauty and the Beast was releasing into the theaters. I mean, he like- Has it been that long ago? Yes. It was wow. A, it was like, he was working up until he physically couldn't stand. Um, there I haven't watched that stuff. documentary yet. Beautiful documentary, very yeah. well done. But he was working up until he literally couldn't stand anymore. And yeah. he was in the hospital. And as it was opening, um, he died. No joke. Okay. It's coming up and he's dying. It's like, it's and wild. see, I don't know why I thought that they, I guess I, I thought that he lived longer than that because that seems like an awfully long time ago. So my recollections are completely off. Okay. Well, then that's a bad example, <laughs> but I couldn't, I could not think of anybody. But, but, you know, it would be like if, uh, Aaron's and, and Flaherty. Yeah separated it would be exactly right 
that rough. Yeah. Pasek and Paul. Yeah. Uh, any of those duos, uh, Whitman and, and um, Shaman. Uh, yeah. And I guess, I mean, if you, cause some of like, I know, hasn't Aaron's done stuff outside of the partnership? Yeah, and so is Shaman. I mean, he's he and Bette Midler are very close, so he okay. does work with her without. Yeah. Without um, but, but they're still partners. Like they haven't. Like their relationship isn't dissolved. It's not okay. the yeah. The contract between them is still in place. It's just you know they each do their individual things and then they come together and do more. So I couldn't think of any like modern day or contemporary examples of like how that works. But it really is just like a divorce, like Eileen and Jerry just went through. Although this seems to be, although with this letter of dissolution, I don't know up in the air until later in the episode, um, whether it will be amicable or not. And because my feelings for Tom are still up in the air as well, <laughs> based on some past experiences in the last couple of episodes. I know. Um, anyway, but Julia and Scott had this conversation with the letter. She says, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to leave you high and dry. That's essentially what she says and goes to talk with Tom. So at this Tony Award meeting, they're all celebrating. Ivy's there, Eileen, Agnes, and Tom, they're celebrating because they think there's no competition. Any show that might've shown any competition has already closed or it's not up for a Tony or it's a revival. Tom is talking about, well, what about these two revivals? And, and Eileen's like, no competition for Bombshell. And he's like, but it is for directing. <laughs> and like, yeah. this is what makes me so sad is because he still has so much hope to get a Tony Award for directing, but everybody around him is like, yep, yeah, it's not really going to happen though. But so like off the cuff, it's like, oh, you're cute. You still think that's going to happen. You're adorable. No, and it's <laughs> like Bombshell is bad, but it is his first, first directing piece. Yeah. So it's just like, you're cute. For him to have started yes. with a, such an enormous show that has so much uh, contextual, conte uh, contextual context, contextual <laughs> context, um, social media context, yeah. and yeah. has such a big uproar about it, uh, just in the news and in the people around, like watching it or seeing it or just hearing about it. And for him to have stepped in and done this, you know, this major directorial debut for his first time at that was huge. But I don't think, you know, he doesn't see it that way. Obviously, he this is something that he's been wanting to do for forever, but never thought it was even a thing. The nomination, the nomination seals on his wall behind his piano. And he does make this <laughs> really funny crack um when they're in the rehearsal room I think that might be one of the next scenes but that like um oh because Lindsay yes yes <laughs> bless her he has a Tony now in 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 real life but yeah like a funny crack about you know not having a Tony award and then Christian Borrell <laughs> makes the same crack you know about himself and I just was like bless you it is actually really funny. And I had it written down. Let's just skip ahead because that is a funny joke. Yeah. So in the next scene-ish, um, Lindsay Mendez is working on a song with Tom and Eileen is in the room and Tom says, thank you after she's finished. It's, this is going to be a great concert. Houston and Levitt, one night only kind of concert. Um, it just kind of meant to breathe life into Bombshell through other areas. 
Lindsay says, I, I'll be the only performer there without a Tony. And Tom says, except for Houston and Levitt. <laughs> it really was a very funny. But then Eileen was like, not for long, you know, you know, maybe not for long. So that was kind of cool, too. Um, oh, but at this Tony meeting, too, they discover this full full page ad has been placed in the New York Times for Bombshell. And we discover that it's Jerry who does it. And Eileen is not happy about this. And I, okay. I guess I understand why, mm -hmm. because we don't want anything to do with Jerry, except we have to have something to do with Jerry because he's still a producer on this. He's still got a credit, right? Right. Why? I wouldn't have even talked to him about it. I wouldn't have thanked him. I wouldn't have said, I don't like it, but she is livid and says, I'm going to go and talk with him. And so she goes off to do that. But I'm just like, I don't understand why. Do you understand why? I, I mean, the only thing that, that it didn't, it was all driven by emotion, had nothing yeah. to do with like if she was actually just thinking logically and not getting tied up with her anger and hatred towards him. Yeah. I agree. I, like the smart thing to do would have been to say nothing. Yeah. Like you need, you know, I mean, Agnes said it. She was like, you need all the publicity that you can get. Why are you getting up and right. I'm like, exactly. Just yes. enjoy it. He, he spent the money. You yeah. It's in there. Who cares? Right. It's already done. You can't take it back. Yeah, of can't. <laughs> but I guess we have to bring Jerry back into the mix somehow. So this is the device that they're using to do that. At the end of this meeting, Tom gets a phone call from who he thinks is Kyle, but is actually the police mm. telling him now that Kyle is dead. He's been in an accident. He's been hit by a car and he's dead. Eileen, there's a lot that goes on on the hit list side of things right. that we will get to. And I will, we, there's going to be so much conversation about Kyle and about the character and about what his, uh, how important he was to the story and, and the people in this, in this show. But a lot of this is just going to gloss over it for now right. until we get to the other side, if that makes sense. It totally does. Okay. All I want to say is just know Christian was not the only person trying to call him. Yes. And yes, we will get to that as well. <laughs> but it was, that's the scene though, that where I was so, so much impacted by Christian Borle's performance was when he is waiting at the theater of hit list and finds Julia and Scott and tells, or no, Karen and Derek and tells them. Yeah. And he just completely breaks down. It's a beautiful moment. We'll, and I'll give it credence uh, when we get to that. Um, but so then we kind of go back to Eileen and Agnes Agnes is basically saying just be sent or no, um, Eileen is telling Agnes to be sensitive about the Kyle situation. Then Julia shows up and asks Eileen for a favor. Right. I'm not going to tell you what the favor is yet because there are lots of little um, <laughs> like special vignettes, little yes. moments that are flashbacks that we yes. get to see uh Kyle's relationship with people that are not Jimmy or Karen right and, and so because of those flashbacks I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you but uh, because of those flashbacks it's going to inform a lot of how these characters proceed within this episode and one of those things is this favor that Julia asks of Eileen who doesn't know if she's going to be able to do it or not um let's see now <laughs> Uh, Tom and Julia are at the theater. They both are saying they're sorry. 
But Julia's like, I don't get it. What's this letter of dissolution? She's waiting to have this fight when Tom is basically like, no, 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 you misunderstand. We need to dissolve our relationship now so that you can re-option Gatsby so that you can do it on your own and you don't have to come to me every five seconds to find out if it's okay with me. Right. So the letter of disillusion is a good thing. Right. So there is, and then I wrote, okay, Tom is good again. (laughs) I was like, okay, okay, I like it. Um, But it's also, it's like, why did you have to send a letter? I mean, you could, you could still send the letter through the attorney, but you could have also like, I don't know, called and left a message and said, Hey, listen, you're going to get this. It's going to alarm you, but please don't let it. This is the reason behind it. (laughs) I wonder if it's honestly, you know, like sometimes the beginning of him starting that he was pissed off and angry. Sure. If he had, I wonder if he thought like, at the beginning, he was doing it out of anger, but then upon reflection was like, wait, this is actually a better idea for the both of us. Yeah, uh, that's a very good point. And so I, because of his history, I want to give him, he's probably the only person who's going to get a whole lot of leeway from me. <laughs> <laughs> he has been really kind for 90% of these yeah. two- Seasons where many people have not been. I would yeah. say the only other person who's been kind most of the time is also Karen. Karen and uh, I'm sorry, Eileen. Eileen, yeah. And the thing is, it's so interesting because all of a sudden in season two, we're seeing dark sparks through all of those characters. Uh, yeah. Interesting. I mean, new showrunner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I would agree with, I know here, listen, I, in real life, I would try to give more grace to these people, Yeah. <laughs> but because it's an episodic, yeah. <laughs> it's like, because all we're given is what we're given, you know, yeah. it's, it's a lot easier to judge, but you're probably, you're, you're very accurate in, in what you're saying. If these were real life people in real life situations, Yes, there is real anger. There is real frustration. There is real disappointment. There's sometimes alcohol courage involved. And there's also probably other people whispering in other people's ears, you know, saying, are you going to take that from her or are you going to, you know, so uh, yeah, there's always a lot more below the surface than we, it's an iceberg. All we see is the tiny little bit on top of the water. That's actually my church's logo and iceberg. Oh, I love it. That's brilliant. I mean, it really is brilliant because it works in every situation. All we see is the tiny little bit above. We have no idea what's going underneath the surface Mm -hmm. and we don't, we don't have the right to, but we also don't have the right to treat someone any, any differently than we would based on the the amount of information they're willing to share with us. Right. We had, my brother uh, is the lead pastor in a church and they're doing the Beatitudes Mm -hmm. this for this series. And they did blessed are the merciful this week. And it was, I mean, it's essentially God has shown us mercy endlessly from moment to moment. If we ask him, he will give it to us. No questions asked, but it's not just a vertical relationship that he's asking. He's asking for a horizontal relationship, meaning it can't just be me and God. It has to be God and me and everybody else around me. I have to show the same amount of, of mercy and grace to them that he would show to me, which is a very difficult thing to do. 
is. And that's actually, I was, I had just watched that sermon and then I saw this, these two episodes and I was like, okay, fine. God, you smashed to like really punch me in the face. All right. I get it. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Oh, this is my favorite scene coming up. Eileen goes to the restaurant where Jerry is having a date with some like very young thing. <laughs> she goes, saw the advertisement, didn't like it what's going on there and he's like listen i've got stock in this too this is the you know i'm my name's attached my money's attached i can do with it whatever i want and he says he wants to make a difference with his money but eileen is basically like bombshell is mine don't touch it yeah yeah (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna take this to the tonys i'm gonna win it without you and then he said something about the ice he was he was wanting for the ice to melt in her like the way that he said it was weird so I didn't write it down right away but he was like I was I was hoping that you would have come around a little bit yeah which I don't think is true I think he's why excuse me what have you done right anything well that's and this is this is so interesting because you're absolutely right he hasn't done anything active or passive to create a better relationship between the two of them. No. And so why would just time rectify it? And this is the thing I have about, you know, that saying that time heals everything. And I, I, it's BS. Like everybody listening, when people tell you that, you not believe it because time doesn't heal crap. Like you doesn't like just mm-hmm. rant, like passing that doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You like if you want to heal, you have to actually do some work about it. Yeah, and healing on your own, it, you are working on yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you want to heal a relationship, then the two of you actually have to come together and talk it through and work it out. That's right. Because if you don't do anything, nothing will change. That's right. Learning a lot of life lessons in this episode. <laughs> but then at the end of this conversation she throws the drink in his face and I would loved it because it came right back full circle oh it was good for the end because there's only like four episodes <laughs> okay so one of the flashbacks that we had alluded to was between Tom and Kyle at their apartment Kyle was working on some stuff. They had apparently just had a night and then Kyle got up out of bed and was out in Tom's apartment, just kind of working. This was in the wee hours of the morning. Tom comes in is like, what are you doing? Come to bed, that kind of stuff. And Kyle's like, no, I'm working on the show. And he's like, hey, listen, at some point you're going to have to. He actually says, and the reason I remember this is I am exactly like this, but Kyle says, um, sometimes I get an idea in the middle of the night and if I don't write it down immediately, it just goes right out of my head. I am exactly like that. Sure. So I, I, I was like, oh, nugget. I, I, <laughs> I hear you. Yes. And the, it's, you can, you, you see the love that he has for the art form, for the show that he's writing. You can see the pride. He's so excited. He just wants it to be good. There's no anxiety in him. It is just true joy and bliss about writing the show and writing it with the people that he's writing it with and doing it, you know, performing it with the people that are performing. It's just, it really is beautiful. Um, and he, he even says to Tom, he's like, I can't stop 
you know, I'm, I'm always, I always feel like I have to fix stuff. And uh, Tom was like, well, at some point you have to put down the pen. And then Kyle says, you know, well, what about, you know, that scene in, in bombshell? He's like, what scene? And he's talking about the scene where um, we haven't seen it yet, but he, this, the song is called at your feet sung by Bernadette Peters or uh, Norma Jean's mother bringing little Norma Jean to Chinese, uh, Grumman's Chinese theater for the first time. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this number, a guess, uh, the mother just drops her off and leaves. And, and Kyle says, it's sad, you know, Mm -hmm. any, but Tom goes, but that's, that's what happened. And Kyle says, but yes, in theater though, this is Norma Jean's, this is Marilyn Monroe's memory. Her memory can be whatever it wants. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, she gets to change that. And so because of this little memory, Tom decides he's going to change the ending of At Your Feet. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, I love it. And I thought it was great. But it also made me question whether or not that's even allowed because they've already opened. They have opened. <laughs> and I don't think the dire- even the director can make changes at that point. It's usually frozen. Yeah. But that's not it to me. This is TV. You can do whatever you want in TV, right? <laughs> that's right. That is right. All right. So Jerry and Eileen are back. Okay. Oh, so a lot of time has passed now. Um, they've done the show that night. There's a lot that happens over at Hit List we'll talk about. At the end of Bombshell that evening, Eileen meets up with Jerry at the stage door, basically sees him. Um, some other stuff has happened, which is why now Eileen has kind of changed tunes. Should we tell this part? I kind of want to leave this for Let's end. gloss it. Let's gloss it. So Jerry and Eileen have both been witness to Hit List's performance tonight, mm-hmm. which is different from what it normally is. And I'll just leave it at that for now. Mm-hmm. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did I give them enough information? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful tribute. And we'll, we definitely will talk in depth. Um, but so Jerry and Eileen are seeing each other at the stage door of Bombshell. And Jerry, I mean, Eileen basically thanks Jerry, says, you know, I'm, I'm, thank you so much for the ad. Thank you. Yeah. And if you've still got money available, I will take it for Bombshell. And Jerry is like, oh, oh, I mean, I don't anymore because I'm going to, bring hit list out it though oh he was so proud of it. it was so manipulative he's like oh oh i don't i don't have any more money for you guys i'm sorry because i'm gonna open hit list on broadway and thus eileen deflates and it's kind of a moment uh because now there is competition there is real competition now for bombshell yeah uh oh and he also says uh and i'm gonna steal your tony away <laughs> he's awful but also i'm not even mad at him because eileen had her chance she didn't have said anything it was just like leave it yeah yes but she couldn't she couldn't leave it be and and listen he's done so many terrible things to her yes so many so freaking many. i mean from the we've only seen like a year's worth right yeah, yeah. and we didn't even see pre-divorce oh and that was like what was that 25 years of him cheating on her repeatedly yeah. and 
you know, saying terrible things about her self-esteem and Mm -hmm. God only knows if there was physical abuse. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, quite frankly. There certainly must have been gaslighting and and verbal and emotional abuse. Uh, Lots of mental. Yeah. So uh, I, I absolutely understand the rage when you know that somebody is yeah. sort of trying to, con- they've been constantly trying to lob on to all the hard work you're doing. And you're trying to tell this story about a woman where men are constantly trying to control her. And here's a man trying to constantly control you and like mm-hmm. tell you what to do and that you're not good enough and you can't succeed without them. And then they come in behind out of nowhere and are like, un- you feel like they're undermining you again. So then she's just rageful and feels like she has to go. I get it. Mm-hmm. But like, sometimes it's best to not say anything. <laughs> right. Well, and they say that with narcissists, you're supposed to act like a, a rock. Right. You're just supposed to be a big, boring rock and not give them anything because that's exactly what they want positive or negative, they want a reaction from you. That's right. But also just in terms, not even like with Jerry and Eileen and their relationship, just in terms of hit list, I'm happy that Jerry did what he did because it means that this show, which we thought was deserving last week when Eileen turned it down, is now being shown some love. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wasn't mad about it. Yeah. Cause she had her chance. And also I'm still not, I'm not completely convinced that Agnes and Eileen both didn't have something to do with the other producers turning it down. Well, Agnes, I know Agnes did, yeah. but it just makes me wonder if maybe Eileen was like, Oh, I just really want to do this. I don't have the money yet. I don't want anybody else to do it. So there you go. Find out. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> I really don't remember. <laughs> so that was bombshell. So now we get to talk all about hit list and all of the things that we alluded to. Okay, a couple of things. Mm. First of all, we didn't mention the song that Christian Borle sings to uh, Kyle in that flashback. Go for it. Okay, so when there's that flashback and um, Kyle's talking about the change and everything, Christian is, is, is um, talking to Kyle about patience basically Mm -hmm. patience in the work and you know Kyle's just really excited he wants it to be really good and um so then uh Christian Borel sits down at the piano plays and sings um the Billy Joel song Vienna and it's I so I was like listening to some smash and the song popped up and I was like (laughs) So I go to YouTube and it's a scene with Christian Borel and Andy Mentius. And I was like, but he's dead. I'm very confused. (laughs) And I was like, this must be a flashback. There must be flashbacks in the next. And of course there were. Fun fact, right after I watched it, um, we watched it on Friday night, which was the one year anniversary of the Broadway shutdown. Yes. And uh, I was on Twitter and um, I took a screenshot of tweets between Andy uh, Mentis and Megan Hilty. And it's actually pretty funny. So <laughs> Megan Hilty says, 
now that it's been a full year, I'm hoping season two of the pandemic ends just like that one show I was on. <laughs> and Andy Mentis says, gee, thanks. And then has a little emoji of a bus. <laughs> and then Megan Hilty says, beep, beep, out of the way. It was a pretty great exchange and we had just finished watching it. Oh, I love see. That's I love. I love it when it all like the timing works out too. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh goodness. Okay. So the hit list side of things. We're gonna go back to the beginning of the episode again. So we don't know that Kyle is dead yet. Um, Derek and Karen have been essentially drinking all night at her apartment. Yeah. Uh, and then they kiss. Yeah. And dot, dot, dot. Maybe they're going to have sex, which I was yelling at the television. Oh my gosh. Me too. It was, I'm sorry. No, I'm so, (laughs) no, that exactly. Jimmy we uh there is a song called high and dry that jimmy sings to himself kind of like an out-of-body experience he's watching himself go through the motions he's living in absolute filth in his brother's apartment (laughs) i had to comment on the set dressers being amazing because they made that bathroom look absolutely disgusting disgusting that song high and dry is by radiohead thank you the only thing that was missing in that bathroom were the cockroaches yes it was it was gross and then he just kind of goes for a walk but that walk takes him to karen's apartment and her fire escape so he goes up the fire escape and you know what was going on through my head Uh oh he's gonna see the two of them having sex on her couch he bangs on the window and she opens it which is first i'm sorry if anyone banged on my window in my apartment i would not be opening the window i would be calling the police (laughs) but she if I knew that. I know, well, listen, you couldn't see through that window. I didn't see that it was, I, I just saw a big black blurry figure. <sighs> but she does come out fully clothed, but wrapped in a blanket. That's true. Um, he's like, what can I do to be the person that you saw in me? To which she doesn't really have an answer. But then Derek comes out and he's like, hey, are you doing all right out there? And then Jimmy ups and leaves and goes into a tailspin, uh, apparently. <laughs> I mean, that's what we've come to expect from him, right? He doesn't, he doesn't ever stay and confront the situation, which is maybe one of the things that Karen would have told him that she wants him to do in order for him to become the person that she sees in him. But he doesn't want to stick around for that. So he just ups and leaves. Derek and Karen did not have sex. God. Right. (laughs) Tom tells Derek and Karen at their theater that Kyle, uh, he's gotten this phone call from Kyle's number, which is actually the police telling them that he had an accident Mm -hmm. and that he's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when I wrote down that Christian has the most accessible emotion of any actor I've ever seen before. It was really, really good. The next um, flashback that we, or the first, I should say, flashback that we come in into is between Julia and Kyle. So Julia has come back to Hit List to kind of help smooth the transition 
Um, and also just kind of to talk through some things. But this flashback that she and Kyle had was working on the storyboard and it came around to talking about one of his favorite things that they do for veteran performers and that is to dim the lights on Broadway. And he said, you know, he, he, he was on a school trip to a Broadway show when they did it for Wendy Wasserstein. And he said, that's my dream. I want to be that big in Broadway that when I die, they dim the lights for me. Mm-hmm. So that is the favor that Julia goes to Eileen for and says, can we please do this for Kyle? And Eileen's like, they only do that for Broadway veterans. But she says, I'll put in a, I'll put in a, a word, but I, I don't think that that's going to happen. For backstory why if you're asking why would julia go to eileen and why you think eileen would have any clout it's very likely that um that eileen is a member of the broadway league and the broadway league is the entity that would decide who gets to have the lights on broadway dimmed for them so of course she having worked on broadway for quite a long time and probably being a member of the broadway league could go to somebody like Charlotte and, and say, is this something that's possible? Yeah. This is when it gets a little, I mean, like this is when you're, you're going to hear a little bit of maudlin voice in Pamela and it very well could be that I start crying in this episode. I don't know. Uh, But it's um, okay. So we're going to go now to the hitless theater, Mm -hmm. Derek and Scott and Jimmy. No, Jimmy's not there yet. It's Derek and Scott and Karen are basically in the theater and Scott's like, what are we going to do tonight? And Derek is like, we're going to, what do you mean? What are we going to do? We're going to cancel. We're going to cancel the performance. And Scott is trying to convince him that it would honor Kyle to do the show. And Derek says, absolutely not. And so that is the decision that is made. They're going to cancel the show. Julie, Julia, what it, uh, gets up and she's like, I have to do something. And that's when she goes to talk with Eileen about dimming the lights. Yes. Derek and Karen, <sighs> these are such difficult um, scenes to talk about. So I hope that you can kind of fill in the blanks for me. There's so much going on in the dialogue that all I could really do was boil it down to the essence of that scene. Yeah. The essence of this particular scene is that they will be there for Jimmy. Derek and Karen, Karen is worried, worried sick that Jimmy doesn't know yet or that he's off and he does know and she doesn't have any idea. They couldn't find him anywhere. Well, this is- oh, she doesn't, when they're in the room and right after like Julia leaves, uh, they're concerned because they know Jimmy doesn't know yet, right? And so- Okay, like- yeah. So at that point, Jimmy doesn't know. Karen has tried repeatedly to call him. He's not answering. Karen says to Derek, can you call him? Derek's like, if he's not picking up for you, he's surely not going right. to pick up for me. And so, um, but we haven't told when he does find out yet, though. No. Go into that scene or you... That's we will, because that's in a, in a little bit. But, um, but this scene is really, it's really just between Derek and Karen you know, saying, Karen is saying how worried she is. And Derek is saying, no, no, we're, you know, I'll be there. You'll be there. We will be there for Jimmy. Um, Jimmy then shows up at the theater. So this is essentially going into that scene that you just talked about. Jimmy then shows up at the theater. He has no idea, but he's like that kind of salty self. And he's going to the theater to pick up his flannel 
<laughs> and whatever other things. But the entire cast is there and they see him, but they kind of realize that he may not know, but it's awkward and weird because he's such a jerk and he was such a jerk last night. Right. So like, how do you, you know, and so Anna's like, do you, you don't know. And Jimmy's like, what, what don't I know, Anna? And then lighting guy, shoot, I don't remember his name and that's okay. Lighting guy is like, Kyle's dead. Mm-hmm. Just blurts it. Because he just got off the phone with Kyle's parents because Anna and him just had to tell Kyle's parents that their son was dead. Well, I think the parents already knew. I think the conversation that they wanted to have with him was like, we're here in case you need anything. Okay. Because I I don't, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have left it to the cast to tell. The police would have told the parents before the police told Tom. (laughs) Or at least gotten the, yeah. No, that, that conversation was, Julia was like, you know, we need to tell Kyle's mom and dad that we're here in case they need anything. And that was, that was that conversation. Good Lord. Can you imagine? What? Bill Derek should have done, I think. Yeah. But uh, I think because the lighting guy had a relationship with Kyle and because he had just met the parents and they had a rapport, that was why maybe he felt that responsibility. But you, I think you're right. Some, you know, the head of the, of the show, but, um, really (laughs) the whole thing is just, it's just icky lighting guy blurts it out. He just drops this bomb in the middle of the dressing room. Jimmy does not react. Well, no stage manager goes and runs to Karen and Derek and says, Jimmy's here. You better move fast. So they all go backstage, but Jimmy's gone at this point. And Anna is like, he wanted to be alone. So we just let him go. And Karen was like, that's the last thing that he needs to be is alone. So she hits, hits the road and goes looking for him. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day. Couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When you're, when you're, when you're real, you know, okay, chosen family, but like this for him was real, his real brother, right? Like this was the person who um, actually tried, you know, to help him get clean when he didn't have a place to go. This was the person who gave him a place to, to lay his head. This was the person who loved him, who brought him into his family. I mean, this was, this was his person. Beyond that though, every time Jimmy has self-destructed, Kyle has been the anchor, Thanks. keeping him to life. Yeah. Holding yeah. him to the ground so that he doesn't do something that is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And so now he doesn't have that, but now he's got the ultimate stress, the ultimate shock. And what is he going to do? So Karen's fear is very real, but Karen also understands about Jimmy, what Kyle understood about Jimmy that nobody else does. Right, right. I'm turning the page. (laughs) So that's... So we know lighting guy's name is Blake. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sorry, Blake. (laughs) 
we should have known your name all throughout and now you probably won't even be in another episode i'm sorry blake 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 (laughs) so now later on that evening julia and scott are going to the hitless theater together and they see crowds of people lined up at the box office and scott feigns ignorance at this point he's like oh my god you know julia's like we canceled right and scott's like yeah we did these people must still be here because they really want to see it they want to support the show what a cool thing (laughs) can you tell what's gonna happen later by my tone of voice (laughs) um ivy then calls derek Uh, they've decided at this point they have to do the show now because so many people are there and in support. And Scott has basically then said, we have to honor Kyle. We have to do the, his show. Um, that's what he would want. Um, Ivy calls Derek, Derek, the essence of that conversation is that Derek is not good at this. He's not good at caring for people is what he ultimately says. And so because Ivy knows him, yeah. offers to come to the show that night and he's like well what about your show and he she says you know I feel a tickle in my throat I'm gonna I'll just call out yeah so that I can be there for you now at this point the relationship is still up in the air there hasn't been any closure there will be um but this is just it seems just a friendly like I'm gonna be there because I care about you and right. you need me there so she's gonna show up and she calls out of the show that night Derek now is talking to the cast before the show and he says um we we need to (laughs) i can't read my own writing (laughs) i I cannot read what i just wrote um because it looks like iwn but that's not a word What we need to, oh, I mean, essentially it was just like, we're going to do a concert. We don't need to do the show full out. We're just going to, we're going to sit, we're going to have stands. And then that way, Sam doesn't have to worry about learning this new show completely. He can read from his book. Um, (laughs) I don't know what I wrote there. That's hilarious. Um, uh, But then uh, realizes that Karen isn't there for this meeting. So Derek then calls Karen. Karen is afraid for Jimmy, but she can remember one more place that Jimmy might be. And Mm -hmm. that is a bridge. Did you recognize that as Long Island City or was that a place in Brooklyn? So when we when we go to the uh, flashback, it's definitely Long Island City. Okay, That's what I thought, too, because I've been on those piers before. And I was like, I, I'm fairly certain that's where it is, but I didn't also want to say <laughs> Long Island City. I know what I'm talking about because I am a 10 year New York veteran and then be completely wrong. <laughs> okay. All the, um, those great big, like, I don't, uh, are they locks like water locks? Uh, yeah. So I saw them, um, on the right of, yeah. when when we see like the back of Jimmy's head and we're looking at Kyle. So yeah. This is LIC. And then my friend who lived there for 10 years, right on the water, she was like, that's LIC. And and I thought, because as you looked across, you saw the Chrysler building right there in the shot. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Long Island City. So I'm glad I was right. That's fun. (laughs) Um, uh, But this is now, uh, there is a flashback about that later. 
I'll just tell it right now because it makes more sense to tell it now. This is an important place to Jimmy because when he and Kyle were first writing the show, this is the place that they would go. And Jimmy even says, we should put this place into the show because it's so important to the two of us. And that is why then Long Island City plays. That's why the big Pepsi Cola sign is in Hit List because that's on Long Island City. Um, And that's where the they first meet Karen and Jimmy's characters first meet and that's also where she goes back and dies in the show right um yes (laughs) so Karen goes to the bridge Jimmy is sitting on the bridge she says please come down and he doesn't acknowledge her at all so she goes up to the bridge and he's like what are you doing down here don't come up here and she's like I'm gonna come up because you didn't come down I I just, I'm sorry, that kind of scene, I'm just like, shut up. Oh, it's such a trope. <laughs> it's such a trope. Yeah. Jimmy says, it's my fault. Essentially, like we, we expected him to say, because he wouldn't have been there if he hadn't been taking his stuff back to Jimmy. Right. And Karen is like, it's not your fault. It was an accident. And then Karen is basically like, I love you. I wish I didn't, but I do. So now I don't know what to do with that. But I'm going to go and do the show. And I think that you should come and do the show too. And he's like, no. And she's like, okay, well, then I'll see you there tonight. Bye. Mm-hmm. See you later. <laughs> was that a good representation of that scene? <laughs> yes, it was. Right. So now we go back to the Hitless Theater where the line is even huger, if yeah. that's a word. <laughs> it's more huger. <laughs> um, because everyone now has learned the uh, importance of tonight's performance so now there's even more people we find out from the stage manager when julia is talking to her that uh that they didn't cancel the show and in fact scott told the stage manager that julia would like her to call all the ticket people back and say the show is still on come back to to the theater which julia did not do so she learns that scott went behind everyone's back and and did that which was a betrayal, a huge betrayal. It's like one thing to do it of your own volition. It's quite another than to use somebody else's name and tell everybody this person said it was okay to do. Well, because then it falls on her. Expressly said not to do it. Yes. Several times. Well, and and also like, this is because this is what I was thinking. Like, if this comes back to you as like, that is a horrible, like, you should not be doing this show. And the backlash was such that it was like, how dare you? Then it would have been Julia's name on the line, not Scott's. Right. So awful. Terrible. But so Julia confronts him there. He's like having some sort of an interview with some, you know, some person before the show. Who was it? It's Frank Delella <laughs> on New York One. He hosts a television show on stage. He is a beloved member <laughs> of the theater community. <laughs> well, Frank I don't know these people. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I actually know the name, but I would never have put his name to it. But I also don't really watch New York One very much. I don't either, but he, since COVID, I mean, I knew before who he was because when I did have cable, I, he was on there. But yeah. that's before he took over the show. Okay. How like he's been a really great um, proponent for just like bringing awareness to 
the situation that so many performers are in with not having any income. Many are trying to pivot to try to make ends meet. Um, he's just. That's awesome. Beloved. Bless him. Well, I'm sorry that I called him just a random dude. <laughs> uh, Julia walks in <laughs> on the beloved member of the theater community, Frank Delella from New York One. Uh, having an interview with Scott before the show, but they're going to talk after the show as well. Julia's like, I know what you did. And so Frank skedaddles Mm -hmm. and Julia confronts him saying you exploited his death for your own purposes. And Scott is like, no, no, I did this for Kyle. We needed to do this work in order to honor him. Uh, And Julia's like, well, I hope it does you well, because that's all you're going to have left. And she exits stage left. Mm -hmm. Derek says to the cast before the show, this is going to feel like a mistake, but you are the people that have the power to tell this story. You are the people that Kyle entrusted, which was a beautiful moment. That was a really lovely moment with Kyle and the rest of the cast. Oh, (laughs) I turned the page and I wasn't supposed to yet. I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't happen yet. (laughs) Um, So they start the concert. It's just chairs and stands. Mm -hmm. We're in the part, right at the beginning of the show, Karen is singing Broadway, Here I Come, acapella. It's a beautiful moment. It's chilling. Mm -hmm. And then Jimmy shows up at the theater and says his line and comes through the audience and he's like, I don't want to do it like this. I want to do it on its feet. And so they move all the chairs away and they, the two of them get up and they sing love, uh, love. I have to say, or love. I meant to say, okay. mm-hmm. the love thank I you. Meant, which is written by Shaman and Whitman. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. That was a beautiful number. And I, that was where I was, I wrote crying. <laughs> And I might start crying again. (laughs) Good. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because um, (laughs) in theater, Mm -hmm. you create such close relationships with people so quickly because you have to. So when you lose someone, it is as if they have turned the lights out in your entire apartment and you cannot see where you're going. It's, there is something missing. There is something so tangibly missing. And when you sing about something, it brings, well, for me at least, the emotion comes straight out your throat. There's no hiding it. There's just no hiding it. It doesn't even matter that you're singing something that has no no connection to that person or to whatever the project is that you're doing. If you're thinking about whatever it is that you feel a loss about and you are singing, that emotion comes straight through. And it also is very difficult to get through. I cannot imagine being in that position. I was crying as an onlooker of a pretend show. But I know that if I was a member of that cast, I would not have been able to do it physically would not have been able to do it because it's, I sang for my grandmother's wedding or for my grandmother's wedding for her funeral. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know why I agreed to this because I knew that it was going to be so difficult, but also like my dad and my uncle were like, no, she would really, she would have really loved, you know, that it was such a, it would be such a beautiful tribute. And so I did. And I sang how great thou art. And I still can't get through the title without thinking about it and crying because (laughs) there's so much emotion tied up anyway. So that when I think back on Ben Platt singing through um, the song in Dear Evan Hansen where he's sobbing, sobbing, and still managed to hit all the notes. <laughs> I mean, it was <clears throat> to watch. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you're doing this. I don't know anybody. I always felt the same way about Donna Murphy because Donna Murphy is the same kind of performer. She would be bawling her eyes out. I'm thinking passion specifically, but bawling her eyes out. And every note was beautifully sung. And I mentioned that to someone and they were like, well, it's because she's acting. And I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Not (laughs) because that emotion has to come from somewhere. Right. But... I know it's, I mean, it's, so I was watching the two of them going, how, I mean, I know that it's pre-recorded. You guys were able to pre-record it. So like, that was, that's the only way that you were able to get through it. If it was me, I wouldn't, I would never have been able to. Although, I mean, Jeremy, he's a stage performer. So yeah. like, if it had, I, I love watching him perform because I feel like every time I have watched him perform, uh, live or in a show, he he is also like um, very able to access his emotions. Yeah, and it's just like it it is every line, every note is so rich with uh, feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that I don't see from every single yeah. um, performer. Um, excuse me, and so like. The, if it had come to like him having to do it live, I'm sure, you know, he could have done, but like, I mean, that was such a beautiful yeah. addition. Now I'm going to, uh, <laughs> this, this, what I'm about to do is like, we're talking about the emotion and then I'm going to sort of pan over to how, again, we're having this moment where I feel like Joshua Safran is sort of beating us over the head <laughs> with the rentness of yeah. it. Um, because so the, a similar, as you all, all of you geeks know, right, that Jonathan Larson died and he passed away um, the morning his show was supposed to have like its first real run at New York theater workshop. Right. And so, um, he died and the producers and the director and, um, uh, one of the, the writer who was sort of like helping to finish it, they were all there and they were like, what do we do? And Pamela and I just read, um, uh, Michael Riedel's book, which like tells this whole story, right? Yes. What do we do? And um, they decide they're still gonna give like a performance, which was meant to be a reading, which is yes. very similar to what they did with Hitless, right? Like he's really beaten us over the head. So they, they go to do the reading, but, and every single actor who, who originated a part in Rent tells the story the exact same way. 
the moment they got to the song La Vie Boheme, they were on their feet doing the choreography, full out, no marking. Um, and while La Vie Boheme has much different energy than that, <laughs> and, and the entire cast is on stage for La Vie Boheme and you only have the two leads on stage for The Love I Meant to Say, it's that similar thing of like, we've been working with this person for, you know, so many weeks and he was a part of our theater family. And, you know, the best way we feel like we can do a tribute to him is to do the show that he wanted us to do. And mm -hmm. so all of that feeling comes through and then they just get up. It's definitely different because like Jimmy is the conduit to sort of get them on their feet. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, we're sort of the person dying, a sudden death, unexpected. Should we do the show? We don't know. We do a reading and then they, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The parallels are seen and acknowledged. <laughs> I mean, you know. <clears throat> it's so true. So there is another flashback now to Kyle and Karen at the bombshell opening night that they were all invited to. Uh, this was presumably after the conversation that Karen had had with Jimmy that night with him telling her warts and all, this is who I am, but I want to be a better person. And Kyle basically says, you know, did you talk to him? And Karen says, yes. And he goes, I was afraid that you would bail. And Karen was like, I'm surprised that you even want to talk to me. You haven't been very friendly to me. And he, he said, I'm protective. You know, I have been the one to pick him up when he needs to, to fix whatever it needed to be. And then he says, you need to fix what I couldn't. And that's kind of giving Karen, oh. But maybe, maybe you can fix. Oh, maybe I you can fix what I couldn't. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> There's a ghost in my apartment. It was just the ring light. That's why I'm in the dark now. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, look, if I put it on my computer, maybe. Oh, except I just touched a button. No, nothing went weird. Okay. Yeah dumb ring light it's because it broke off the base and so now it doesn't have a tripod anymore it's just the ring of light but I need the ring of light because the lighting in my apartment isn't enough to you know <clears throat> it doesn't matter we're talking about Kyle <laughs> it's so dumb anyway <laughs> so then we kind of switch gears a little bit. So we've seen this flashback with Kyle and Karen. Now we're switching gears. We go to Ivy and Derek, who after this concert are talking and Derek's like, what happened to us? What happened? And, uh, you know, he, Ivy kind of says, I don't know, maybe it's because of Karen. Maybe it's because of all of these other women. And Derek is like, don't walk away because of Karen. And she's like, you'll always have a Karen. Yeah, there will always be and this couldn't be truer and we'll talk about that in the next episode there will always be another woman who will take your interest and become your muse and you will want to follow and sleep with and so Karen it's you which I was like yes yes it is <laughs> I did not hear any of what you just said you've cut out what I can't hear I could not hear anything you just said Oh no. I can now. Okay. It may be because you were talking at the top of your voice. It might've just, 
It was like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will not let these listeners hear that loudness. <laughs> I'm put it down even lower. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she said, she said, you're the problem. And I was like, thank you, Ivy. Mm-hmm. Finally told him. He is the problem. People have told him before, but I'm hoping that he'll finally listen this time. Right. I mean, it's the first time. It's the first time she has said it. Yes. Said it. All the women with many allegations, right? Mm -hmm. But like, there's something about Ivy coming to this realization and saying, "You're, you're really the problem." She's given him looks before that are like, "You're the problem." Mm -hmm. And she was like, "It's you." But also because she's given him the looks before, but she's always gone back to him, which in his mind is probably giving him permission to keep on acting that way because there is no, you know, no responsibility. Um, J- uh, Jimmy and Karen then are talking, this is the end of the episode. Um, Karen finds Jimmy at the end of that concert you know, says, do you want to go out now? Do you have drinks with the cast? Um, they've all got, they've apparently now heard that they're going to Broadway. So they all have champagne. Um, that's my champagne hand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I've stopped drinking. Like, that's it. So, you know, hopefully some good things are going to happen, but he also is like, I'm, I can't do anything with you guys. I've got to work somewhere I've got to do something else but he doesn't really go into detail but you kind of get the hint that maybe it's a rehab kind of situation at least I did is that what you kind of read into it um not I'm, rehab as in going to rehab but like rehabilitating himself yeah 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 mm-hmm. I did but Karen is like are you mad at me <laughs> like Karen it's not about you yeah. oh Karen and oh. they're standing across from the bombshell theater and Tom says, we couldn't get every theater to do this, but this is a theater that we could get to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the lights dim. And it's a really lovely moment at the end of that episode. So uh, another thing, which is super fun. I was like, okay, Bond 45 is across <laughs> the street from the Richard Rogers Theater. Okay. Where Hamilton plays now. And we have two members of the Hamilton cast that are in hit list right now, Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> and we have Philippa Sue. So I thought that was her. Oh my gosh, I even wrote it in because that's for the next episode. I was like, is that her? But you didn't ever see any close-ups on her face, really, except for one and in passing and she's dancing. And I was like, I can't get a good look, is it? And it is. And in the next episode, we get another guest appearance from another Hamilton uh, person, and that is Lin-Manuel Miranda. That is the spoiler alert from today. (laughs) So fun. Because that other dancer, not the other dancer in that number, because that's Daisy. We'll talk about her as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Whenever there are two dancers that we don't know, they're just faceless dancers, one of them is a girl that did Wicked With Me named Meredith Miles. And so I have no end of happy, like I've seen her, I think three or four episodes at this point, (laughs) but she is the blonde dancer behind Ivy at the concert for Houston and Levitt. So that was neat. And we'll talk about that 
later. Well, we won't talk about that, but we'll talk about the concert. No, wait, did we talk about the concert? We already talked about the concert. No, we didn't. Okay, good. I'm so out of my head right now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast, Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGABWAY and on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. And if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, drop us a note at TGABWAY at gmail.com. Until, Until next time, time geeks. geeks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.